0: You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.
1: Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, it's been a little bit since I've talked to you. How you been, buddy? It, it, it feels like—I mean, it hasn't really
0: been that long. It just feels like it's been that long because so much has happened. But I've been good. I'm, I'm ex- excited slash pensive about this game coming up. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see how that all susses out. But uh, yeah, I've been good.
1: Yeah, it's been busy. We had. The game on Thursday, and yeah. then we had the Black Friday on. You know, and we I went shopping. Did you go shopping?
0: No, I didn't. It's not as much of a thing. I I don't think out here in Los Angeles. I mean, Cyber Monday. I think everybody you know will do this that thing, but I don't think people as much are. Rushing out to the stores, at least in my neighborhood, it sounds like it's it's kind of an annual event where you're from, though.
1: Well, listen, we don't really have all that much to do out here, so <laughs> going Black Friday shopping at Walmart is, you know, the best thing going on. So yeah, so we had we had Black Friday, and then we had the first day of rifle season up here in PA. So been a little busy. I told you a little story about how I was yeah. <laughs> hot spotting my laptop out there watching game film. So. Really, it was hunting them up, up. but up in right, the deer blind, which is great. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> yeah, it was. Uh, it was a good day of football watching from uh, tree stand. But um, let's go ahead and jump into some Twitter questions. We reached out to you guys, and we wanted your questions uh, about the Cowboys. And man, you guys sent in a bunch of them within oh, about ten minutes. I have thirty nine questions. We're not going to get through all of these. We're going to try to get through as many as possible. Um so let's just kind of jump right into it. the first one I have is from Christian who wants to know has Mark Colombo fixed the offensive line woes what have you seen when you kind of went back and watched the all 22 I I mean
0: again I think this is really a really difficult thing to dis- discern because you know there's three big elements here one uh, the change of, of coaching, right, the change of, of the offensive line coach. There's two, the, the swap-in of Xavier Suofila, which kind of happened around the same time at left guard. Uh, and then three, I think, which is kind of a part of two, uh, is that, you know, they were... It's not like they transitioned to Mark Colombo's new system. You know, it's they transition. Mark Colombo transitioned them back to the old system. So, I, I you know... I guess if you're asking if the the offensive line is headed back in the right track, I think I can say yeah, it feels like if it certainly feels that way, is it that Mark Colombo himself is such a great coach that this happened? I don't I don't know. It could be that, but I'm I'm hesitant to say that it's all that because of the other two things we mentioned, including Xavier Suafilo. I think providing a spark at left guard, uh, or at least giving us good play for these few games and some games that he matched up well against who he was lining up against. Um, And then, you know, like I said, the the kind of transition back to what was the familiar for these guys. I think it's kind of hard to parse out those three things from each other. But I, I have yes, I think if you're looking for has Mark Colombo been a part of fixing the offensive line? Was I, I think he's done as much as any of the any coach has done so far to try to right the ship. And, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with the familiarity of what they're doing, and a lot of it has to do with probably them trusting and liking Mark Colombo a lot as well. It's just the percentages on that is very difficult.
1: Let's also remember that about the same time they fired Mark Colombo is the time that they got Amari Cooper. Or sorry, not Mark Colombo, uh, Paul Alexander. They got Amari Cooper, yeah. and that has undoubtedly helped their offense because now they have a true weapon on the outside. It's kind of forcing teams to not blitz as much, and you know we saw in the Redskins game, you hit them on a ten-yard slant and it goes forty-one yards in the touchdown. And it's just it's a lot of these kind of things. It's all a lot of changes, yeah. That that all decou- kind of yeah exactly that all affect
0: each other. It's like they all you know it's, yes. it's so it's it's very difficult to kind of. You know, now you can watch the tape and, and you tell me, I mean, to me, they look like they're playing better as well. I mean, or at least, you know, their techniques they seem more comfortable in. But I think, you know, that's di- it's difficult to, to, again, tell whether that's because they're going back to the familiar or because Colombo is such a fantastic coach.
1: All right, our next question from at Donnie Narco underscore. And this is a good one. Um, what do you think the plans are this off season for David Irving? Do you think he's back at a big discount, or do you think the Cowboys are just going to move on from maybe all the hassle and trouble?
0: You know, I I struggle with this a lot, you know, because um, part of me feels like, Uh, he's going to be an extremely cheap option and, and, you know, because of all the problems and all this stuff, I mean, the talent is clearly there. It doesn't take him anything to get on the field and, and, you know, be disruptive. So I, I, I don't doubt that, that he has the talent. That's the requisite talent there. Um, you know, where, where my concerns lie are, are more about how reliable is. And obviously that's been the story with him, um, I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would say it's probably like 50, because 50, the, the, the thing is, is really going to come down to is how do the Cowboys feel about dealing with all this? And and where, how do they feel like? How is he in
1: the locker room? Like yeah, how do the it,
0: players treat him? I mean, yeah, is, is, that, is he a problem there? I mean, the funny thing is, is that he got, a, apparently got like a ton of write-in votes to be the NFL Players Association pr- you know representative for the team if i'm it's not true. mistaken. And so i obviously i think the guys you know like him and he's very personable. I mean he's got a great personality when he, when you, when he interviews and stuff. He's funny and you know he's he smiles a lot. Uh, look, uh, it's i think this is a very difficult thing because really whether or not he signs with the Cowboys almost exclusively has to do with his off-field situation. And and we just don't really have a good grip on wh- what his situation is. I mean, we've been hearing the whispers that he's, you know, he's currently missing some time because of this off-field stuff. That's usually a pretty bad sign, but is it also the sign of a guy who is, you know, maturely handling what is a very difficult off-field situation. And then you know the, the conversation becomes, do the Cowboys want to deal with this at all? So I'm probably about 50-50 right now, and I really hate to really kind of make this call because I feel like it's not based at all on his play. It's based on things that we have zero information on, his off-field situation, uh, his family life.
1: I think it's easy for me. If you can get him anything under $5 million a year he's absolutely worth holding on to because there's just not that many players in the league that can make the impact that he can't. Now, do you rely on him? No. I mean, I I think you need to have, you need to have another starter there ready to go at all times because you just know he's not reliable and you know, you're not going to get a 16 game probably season out of David Irving. But if you get him at a couple million per year and you get seven to 10 games out of him, you know what kind of difference he can make. So I'm willing to put up with some of the other noise because he can be a game-changing type of defender. Uh, Let's take a quick break, and we will be right back to talk about the Cowboys and the playoffs. This episode of the Locked on Cowboys podcast is sponsored by Action Heat. Action Heat makes the world's best battery-heated clothing. Heat on demand at the touch of a button. Control your environment with Action Heat. Action Heat clothing is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to those of a heated car seat. They can reach temperatures of up to 135 degrees and are powered by rechargeable 5-volt lithium-ion batteries that last up to 12 hours on a single charge. It's a perfect gift for any friend or family. It's great for anybody who works outdoors, ski, snowboards, hunts, anything like that. Anybody that hates the cold, you need to get them an action heat garment this Christmas season. Uh, For our listeners, we have a special deal to save 20% off your entire order Just go to actionheat.com slash locked on to check out everything Action Heat has to offer. That's actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at the checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty warm while you enjoy all your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Our next question comes uh, from at fandom. Do you think the Cowboys have the potential to go beyond the first round in the playoffs? What do you think, Landon? Hold on. Let me quickly check to see where Green Bay is in their current
0: playoff standings. (laughs) And yes, actually, I do. Uh, (laughs) um, Uh, That's a perfect way to put it. (laughs) You know, look, uh, I I have always been and I always will be of the belief, and last year certainly didn't Change my mind about this. Uh, I have always been of the belief that if you can get into this, if you can get into the game, it's it's all bets are off. There's home field advantage. and People can talk about that. That exists certainly for certain teams as well but if you can get into the tournament you've got a chance and, and i think that the numbers have shown that over time that you you can get hot at the right time and you know take it all the way to the the it, it, take it all the way to the championship it, it's it's a one it's it's a week to week league and it's a week to week playoff system the matchups are based on who you play that that week and i think it, if the cowboys can find a way you know, I don't know how they'll get matched up. If they end up, you know, <laughs> being the last team having, having to face if they the, play the Rams Carolina at then... home,
1: well, I'm We're... saying if they play the Carolina at home in week in the wild card game, I, I'm not afraid of Carolina. I'm not afraid if they play of that Seattle either. Seattle at home in the first round, I'm not afraid of Seattle. So you yeah, know, I think they absolutely can get past uh, round
0: one. The I, I, I absolutely think that they can get past round one. Uh, you know, I think once we start talking about some of these, you know. More top tier teams like the Rams, the uh, know, the Vikings have been playing really well lately. I, you know, I think those are teams that it's going to be. I mean, the Rams, especially and, and the Saints, like I think, are the top two top teams in the NFC. It's really not even that close. Uh, and I think that you know, if you get to the second round and have to face one of those teams, then you're starting to you know wonder exactly if you're up to perform against those guys because they clearly are. Are uh, you know very well built to to dominate whoever they face, um, but I think that you know yeah the first round for sure the second round it becomes you know about who you're facing and you know what's what the matchups look like I, I think that th- this team again if they are continuing down this uh, down this road of improving in the, on their offense and, and still playing defense at a high level yeah that translates well in the playoffs.
1: All right, this question I know you're gonna love uh from Cody Leach should the Cowboys bring in Cliff Kingsbury as some kind of <laughs> offensive consultant offensive coordinator next season
0: I think they should bring him in this season uh because <laughs> there you go yeah <laughs> I well, I do I I think look I don't know what the I mean I feel I feel pretty confident that unless there's an absolute collapse that Garrett will likely be back next year. Um, what I'm, not, what I don't feel as confident about is that if, you know, especially if things kind of don't go great, that Linnehan will be back next year. Um, right. I personally think that if you brought in Kingsbury right now and just kind of had him work with the team and in sort of just helping some of the passing elements of it. It, I mean, you know, I don't know exactly what Linehan's receptiveness to this would be, but at the very least, if you get him in now and kind of get him in the system and then decide you want to make a change at the, you know, at the end of the season or make him your offensive coordinator, uh, he's already been here for the last part of the year. He know you know, he's gotten that much closer to, or, you know, that much more familiar with our system, you know, there's a lot of things about this that need some tailoring, you know, Uh, if he is going to truly be an offensive coordinator in the NFL and especially for the Cowboys, because, uh, you know, you you could, there's definitely, you know, you could run the ball in in a, in a, in, in an air raid system for sure, but it's going to need some adjustments, you know, in the NFL to say the least. And, and so I I think that, uh, you know, there's stuff like that, that, I feel like if he's serious about coming into the NFL, he should, and this would be good for him too. It would be good for him to take at least at least a little a little time to kind of study the NFL game a little bit and try to assimilate some of those uh, principles into his system uh, and kind of just tinker with it a little bit before he's ready to, you know, take over play calling for an NFL team. Uh, I, I like the idea of generally because of the how young he is and his situation of him being an offensive coordinator. Because I think it's the kind it's it's kind of like what we talked about. You, you don't really get an opportunity to get a young, talented play caller as an offensive coordinator because usually they're going straight to the, the head coaching job nowadays, right? Um, but I think right. uh, Cliff, because of his specific scenario of not being able to get players to tech, which is not an issue that he's going to have in the NFL, uh, I think that. Uh, you know, he might be a guy who might be a perfect fit for being the kind of hot young offensive coordinator. Even though we're in a league where more and more that that just isn't a thing. More and more, those guys are becoming head coaches quick, more quickly.
1: I think we're going to have to have a podcast this off season about the air raid offense and maybe how it fits into the NFL today because you're starting to see more elements of it. And I think there's some some myths about the air raid, such as they don't like to run the ball. Well, that's actually not the case. They, they, they're they fine running the ball as long as they have the advantage. Um, I, I Just so you're going to have to remind me, but I want to talk about the air raid offense and well, whether or not it can kind of translate into the NFL.
0: And especially, you know, I think one of the more interesting parts about the air raid, too, is that nexus of where the regular air raid was broken and then recreated by Mike Leach. Because I think Leach kind of, you know... Yes evolved air raid a whole different way into the modern era. And, and, and those two different versions, uh, you know, there's there's some, how they use the tight end in, in the old air raid versus leech usage of it. You know, a lot of that stuff is, is very different. And I think that it doesn't mean that air raid principles are, you know, incompatible with, with offensive, uh, with, with NFL offensive football. I think it's it's more about finding the best way to, Take the main elements of air raid offense and then bringing them and those principles into the NFL. But yes, absolutely, we should because I think it's a it, it would be fascinating to talk about.
1: Yeah, because it, it would even have an effect on the roster construction about how many receivers mm. you keep on a roster. I mean, I would assume and that that number would, would have to be too. closer I, to. I,
0: I think yeah, you I, to I would think you'd have to have close to
1: eight to nine receivers and. Three at least three quarterbacks, right? At
0: the, at the very least, I would think just to keep you know, just for practice. You know, I mean, because you're gonna have to go through so many reps to kind of get that that timing and everything down the way you want it. I mean, not that there isn't a lot of timing in Coriel and all that stuff, but I mean, if you're really relying on air raid, you know, principles for being an engine for the offense, it, it, it takes a lot of reps. And if you're going to be rotating a whole bunch of receivers in there, then they're all those guys are going to need a lot of reps and if they're going to need a lot of reps that means a lot of people throwing the football so yeah you got to, to figure out if that's even possible with an NFL roster I mean, that's another part of this that's all that needs to be considered is that what with schemes in general in college versus NFL is is this something that can be practiced and deployed on an NFL roster week to week with a fit, with the constrictions of 53 man rosters so uh, yeah there's a right. whole conversation to be had
1: Because in college, you can have 20 receivers on scholarship in the NFL. I think that that there's only one team carrying more than seven receivers this year. So just something to talk about. We'll talk about this later because there's just so many different directions we can go with the air raid offense in the NFL. But I want to move on to some other questions. Ryan Roberts on Twitter asks, Has Rod Smith done enough this year to be the number two running back going forward? Could the Cowboys benefit from a scat back like Darren Sproles, Dion Lewis, et cetera, et cetera, to kind of make up for Dak's deficiencies down the field? Um, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I love
0: Rod Smith. I mean, I, I yeah, I, I think he's, I think he's definitely done enough. In fact, I, I mean, I, I, I don't know how, but I'd love to find ways to get him on the field more. You know, and get him the ball more. I think when he gets the ball, he does great stuff. I mean. Uh, I, I I can understand the whole idea of wanting a, a kind of a scat back, but I think that you have a lot of that in uh you know Beasley and with Tavon Austin when he's healthy. I think you, you can you can get that kind of play out of other positions in, in such that you don't necessarily need to you know have that type of player on the field. I,
1: I well, let me ask you this. Let me yeah. ask you this. Could you condense Rod Smith and Jemez Olawale's role down to one player. I don't think
0: he can because I mean because uh, especially if you look at the last few weeks, he started to he started to uh, Olawale has started to get more and more snaps, and he's been effective, you know, as a blocker, as a you know. I I think the issue is is that I, I think that they what they've got now is that they don't want. It seems to me that they don't want single players in a positional role. I, I, I guess that's a really poor way to phrase that. But what I'm saying is that they don't want a, a unique player. I thought you were going to say player. position flex. Well, it's not just position flex. It's it's more that they – I think that they're moving away from wanting, like, okay, like the, the Dunbar role, right? I, I think they had all these plans for the Dunbar role You know when, when Dunbar was on the team. He had all these, you know, schemes drawn up for him, blah 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 blah, and then he gets hurt, and and there's nothing you can do with all that, all that, that that planning and all that scheming that you've done if you don't have a Dumb Bar backup, it goes completely out the window, right? Like you can't do anything with it if you don't have the guy that can, is, you know, the key to operating that scheme or those plays. I think that what they could you say
1: the same thing for Tavon Austin?
0: No, because I think Beasley can do a, a, a certain amount of it, and I think also at the time you you could also say that uh, uh, Thompson could do some of the reverse stuff. Um, I, 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 I okay. guess the difference the difference there is that Tavon does a lot of different things, and and he has he fits into that uh, jet sweep reverse role, but but so do a couple of other guys as well, uh, and I think now Cooper could. Potentially, even do that, you know, like to assert if you if you needed him to, and you've, you've seen Lewis do it and all that sort of thing. My my thing is that if you go and get a specifically scat back third down back like that, and, and then you're going to want to try to scheme him up for that. If he gets hurt or if something happens to him because those guys are frail, then suddenly you've taken out a, a chunk of your uh, playbook because you've you, you don't have a, a suitable replacement to, who can run those same plays. That's my only concern. There is that. If you're going to go get that guy, then Tavon Austin needs to be able to be a suitable backup to that guy as well. Otherwise, I think you're potentially setting yourself up to be missing a large part of your playbook when it, you know once he, that guy gets hurt.
1: All right. Our last question comes from David. Uh, he says, looking at our free agents coming up in the next couple of years— which of these prominent players do you not see getting extended? Now, I kind of think all these guys are eventually getting a contract. But of these six players, I'm going to say, which one do you think is the most likely not to get a contract?
0: I love that he tagged, tagged
1: them in it real quick. <laughs> I love that he actually tagged the
0: user's handles in this Twitter question as well. Yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a
1: cheap move. Don't, please don't do that on Twitter, guys.
0: David, we're not going to reply on Twitter, so it's it'll be okay. But, man... Don't make me choose in front of all of these guys. But go ahead. listen, the am Sorry. <laughs>
1: all, right. all right. Doug Prescott, Amari Cooper, Byron Jones, Jalen Smith, Demarcus Lawrence. Which of those six do you think is the most likely not to get an extension? It's tough. I mean, I, I've been staring at this list. I, I have one that I think probably, and I'll go ahead. to it, It's... It, I would say Byron Jones might be the only one just because cornerbacks get paid a lot of money. Uh, they don't have to sign him this year. They they can have him on the fifth-year option. But if he has another great season, are they going to be wanting to pay $18 million to a cornerback? I don't know. But I, I, I think eventually they get that one done.
0: Yeah, I kind of feel like they'll sign all these guys. Um Yeah. But I, I guess I agree. If we were to choose one, I, uh, man, I I'm, I'm not losing any of these guys. <laughs> but but I, I think the <laughs> Byron would be uh, probably the guy. I guess I mean, you can't not pay Tank Lawrence at this point, right? Like so. And uh, okay, let me
1: ask you this: which which one wouldn't you pay? Because that's a different question.
0: I don't know, man. I don't know. I, I mean, because I can make arguments for all of them, like. Uh, I, I definitely, I mean, I think Tank is, I mean, you have to pay Tank. I, I think, sure. you know, Dak, I think it's, it's. you know, he's uh, your quarterback. I think that, uh, you know, he's had issues at times. He's been up and down. He's not perfect, but I still think he's worth keeping and, and holding on to. And and I think he has got what it takes to eventually be a great, great quarterback. Cooper's fantastic. I'm, it's going to be hard for me to cut him, especially after <laughs> recent events. Byron is like sure. we talked about cornerback. Those are difficult to find, especially at his level. Maybe, maybe Byron just because uh, you know I could find another cover one, cover three corner who maybe isn't quite as good but is worth the difference there. And, and Jalen, the reason I'm not saying Jalen is because I just, just don't think Jalen's going to cost very much.
1: You know, I mean specifically against these other guys. So, uh, so yeah, that's I the guess one I probably, probably if I if, if I had to choose, I think it would be Jalen for me. Because I think I can find a linebacker easier than I can find a cornerback or a wide receiver or a pass rusher. And especially now that you have Leighton Van Esch, I think I can find a middle linebacker who can cover in the second, third round if I decided to get rid of Jalen. Now, I, I probably wouldn't do that, but that's probably the one guy. If you had I would, to. I would, if I had to, I would probably lean Jalen. But... Oh, wow. Uh, that is it for today's show. Thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCool CB, C, BCB. Man, let me try that again. <laughs> at McCool BCB. You can follow the show at Lockdown Cowboys. And I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you next time.